This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is the evolution of intimacy with Ella Shannon, a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Flogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. Today my guest is Monica Cook. She's a Sydney-based sex therapist and we're going to be talking about navigating the impacts of fertility issues on sexual functioning. Welcome, Monica. Thank you. What are some common fertility issues? People think that if they're not getting pregnant immediately or within a few months that they're facing some fertility issues. So the first thing I wanted to say here is actually getting pregnant isn't as easy as one might think. And the formal definition of infertility or experiencing fertility issues is really if you've been having unprotected sex for a year and still not got pregnant, there's actually a lot of space in there (laughs) to be trying. So that was the first thing I wanted to say because a lot of people come to me thinking they have fertility issues but have not actually tried for that long. Obviously, if you're over 35, the definition reduces to trying for six months just so you're not waiting a whole year before you go in and you're able to investigate a little bit earlier. There is no one common fertility issue that's responsible for often a number of factors across both people in the partnership. They layer one on top of the other and then you finally cross a threshold which results in the fertility issues that I see presented in my clinics. Just as an example, you might have a woman who has irregular periods so it's difficult to tell when she's fertile and then that might indicate some hormonal irregularities and then she might also have some pain which makes sex difficult so relationally things are stressful and her body doesn't want to be engaging in sex that can be picked up by the partner and because the partner may not want to hurt her he might become quite cautious and experience erectile issues so that's another level of complexity and then that frustrates her more and it becomes an anxious space and both partners feel under pressure. So you can kind of see how fertility issues layer one upon the other. If you have a heterosexual couple trying to conceive, there are a few issues that may arise. You've got broadly the biological aspect of things, so deficiencies, hormone imbalances, medical conditions such as endometriosis or PCOS, allergies and autoimmune diseases, uh, or anything really that might be causing inflammation, and also genetic factors. You've got the biological issues, the medical conditions. You also have physical factors such as the shape of the uterus or presence of fibroids or the scarring in the fallopian tube from an STI, chlamydia. So certain medications can impact on capacity to be fertile. Some hormonal contraceptives actually can impact on how long it takes for fertility to return. So sometimes people come in thinking they have a fertility issue, but they're still waiting for the effects of the hormonal contraceptive they've been on to wear off. Sometimes even the hormonal contraceptive they've been on can also mask hormonal imbalances. So they're not aware that they actually have these biological issues to address because they've been on, say, the pill for a long period of time. It's also looking at uh, not just the, the woman's biological profile, but the guy's as well. So looking at similar things for him, semen analysis and examination of his testes, looking to see whether he wears tight pants or he goes to hot saunas. All of those things really do influence 
on fertility. Obviously, age and weight is also important. That's the biological category. So there's a lot in there that can be one of the reasons why fertility might be difficult. Obviously, from mid-30s onwards, fertility does decline and also excessive weight loss and weight gain can interfere with conception. There's environmental factors, you know, the chemicals or radiation you're exposed to each day. Um, I spent a lot of time working in a space where women were totally unaware of when they were fertile. So there's this understanding out there that we're fertile at day 14 because that's what we all learnt at school, but that's not necessarily the case. So a lot of couples are trying around the day 14, but actually missing when they're, they're truly fertile. That's not a fertility issue, something biological. It's actually just a couple missing their fertile phase. I do a lot of work in helping couples become aware of when they are fertile and being clued into their own bodies. Sometimes there's a relational component as well, couples not wanting to have sex or experiencing sexual dysfunction because of all the tension that their infertility journey has created. Stress is a big one. I'm sure many people have heard about the impact of stress or someone's work or sleep patterns, stress within the relationship. Sociocultural factors, as I work with clients, they're under huge pressure from family members to conceive. That might be contributing to a high level of stress and anxiety, which is not at all conducive to conception. I like to delve into the spiritual and psychological component as well, really helping person to understand the meaning behind what's happening, like how are they understanding this journey? Do they feel like they're being punished? Do they feel like they're broken? What are their deeper fears around being a parent? Is there a grief to process maybe after they've had any miscarriages? There's a lot of stuff there that can contribute to a complex fertility journey for people. But having said that, once we start to peel away the layers one at a time, we can definitely process through these things and pull them back underneath that threshold, start to process through these different layers, get back to a place of good health and conception is possible again. If someone is experiencing genuine fertility issues, what are some of the options? Of course, we've heard of IVF, but I understand Mm -hmm. that there's some different approaches and different ways people might be able to enhance their chances. There's this wonderful organisation called the Australasian Institute for Restorative and Reproductive Medicine and their job is to delve into some of that stuff that I was discussing to see if they can restore reproductive health to people before they pursue IVF, to see if they can actually work out what's at the core of what's going on and and if it's a hormonal issue to make sure they take hormonal supplements or vitamin supplements, whatever it's needed to rebalance the body if it's a biological issue. And sometimes it is just a really simple medical procedure that they have to undergo and it's very easily dealt with. But you can also do your part as well by keeping up exercise and healthy food, avoiding alcohol, caffeine, highly processed foods, reducing sugar, salt and saturated fats, drinking more water, or just the usual good advice that we get from our doctors. The point of it is to help reduce inflammation in the body, get you to a good healthy BMI and increase gut health. All of those things really help to increase your chances. Even reducing chemical exposure in domestic and work environments, by 10 a.m. in the morning, most women have put on at least 20 or 30 things on their body as well as being exposed to different things in the air or if they've gone out into the garden even if you've eaten out of plastic that day just the amount of chemicals that we're exposed to in the everyday taking small steps just to minimize exposure and even radiation exposure switching off mobile phones and laptops at night and things like that have been found to be all helpful in just taking one layer away that I was talking about stress management big one, allowing people to remain relaxed and present in their bodies, 
meditation and yoga has been found to be really good for this good sleep hygiene, making sure you have the right knowledge relating to fertility, helping women really get to know the natural signs and symptoms of their own body so that they can discern exactly when they're fertile and know what a healthy cycle looks like or when something might be indicating that there's an imbalance or something is a bit off. I'm really passionate about teaching women about that because I feel like we don't get told anything about what's going on in our bodies. Um, menstrual cycle is like a, a bill of health every single month or every cycle tells us where we're at or how we're going and if we understand what's there it, it can be really helpful. I'm totally for seeing a therapist if psychological component you're feeling really burdened or stressed because just in normalizing the experience and creating a safe space for communication and, and sharing that can ease a lot of anxiety and, and make the whole topic safe and that has its own biological effects on the body. Like I'm a real believer in, in the connection between body and mind and spirit, that kind of holistic care of clients. We sometimes can get really carried away with the medical side of things and forget that there's this whole other psychological component that can be addressed and really help people in this journey. And as you said, and then there's also just the reproductive technology, which I feel like that's probably bypassing some of the fertility issues via technology, but it may not be really truly addressing some of the core issues of why certain things are presenting or why the challenge exists in the first place. There might be an underlying cause that's not being addressed with the restorative reproductive medicine approach. They go in to really try and figure out well, what's going on in the body that isn't allowing conception to occur and in doing so help women with other symptoms they may be having other than just subfertility. Stress and tension and the pressure to conceive can have an impact on the sexual relationship of a couple. It actually works both ways, which is actually what got me into the area in the first place is I started out in fertility, but then I got so many questions from the couples I was working with on sexuality and sexual journey. Fertility issues impact on sexual functioning, but sexual dysfunction like erectile issues and vaginismus, which is a condition that makes penetration often quite painful and challenging and sometimes impossible, that can actually be the direct cause for fertility issues and, and the reason why a couple can't conceive. You've had both things interplaying off each other. It's really common that a difficult fertility journey does result in sexual difficulties. That happens for a number of reasons. It changes the way a person relates to their own body. Suddenly everything becomes very medicalized. People might start to feel like their body's not doing what it should and they're unable to do something that they were told would be so easy and so natural. Confidence goes down. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex, relationships and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec, I'm a woman, like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted <laughs> to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. <laughs> Mind-blowing. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, 
a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec, I'm a woman, like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind blowing. Even for the men that I work with, particularly, their virility can be part of how they view themselves as a man. And so if results come back that say that their sperm count is low, that can really impact on the way that they understand themselves. And when confidence decreases, anxiety is often that thing that takes its place and the hugest enemy to a healthy sex life. Where there is any anxiety or perceived threat for your nervous system, your body is starting to mobilize a fight or flight response and it's not at all starting to mobilize your body for sex, which is a completely vulnerable act that you need to feel safe for. So the blood isn't going to your genitalia, the blood is actually mobilizing to all those parts of your body ready to fight or run from the threat. You get erectile issues, you get low arousal, pleasure becomes very difficult for couples in this space. Couples start to turn on each other because they're in survival mode rather than facing infertility as a united front as a team. Intimacy becomes difficult. Sex becomes more like a chore and very mechanical, which can be so discouraging for couples as they go on this journey. When there's fertility issues, the actual act of sex becomes super goal-oriented. Mm. It's all about the intercourse. It's all about ejaculation. There's huge performance pressure for the guy, for the girl. Foreplay often drops off the agenda, and it becomes about just doing something rather than two people caring for each other and experiencing pleasure with each other. The guy can just feel relegated to sperm donor and often she might feel overwhelmed at all the things she needs to be doing. Mm -hmm. There's actually a, an article that was recently released in something called Inferto Sex Syndrome, draws attention to even how clients going through just a reproductive technology, how that impacts on their intimacy and sexuality and in a negative way and how that then goes back to influence the reproductive outcome. Really getting to the heart of this is so important. Yeah. What can be done to prevent that or to overcome if that pattern has started to take place in a relationship? Normalising this experience and letting people know in, in advance, like preempting that this is going to happen possibly might happen means that couples can prepare themselves for that journey and know that they're not broken they're not abnormal to not take it personally which sometimes couples really do like I said turn on each other and feel like it's all each other blame patterns start but to know that hey this is so common working with these couples I really like to promote sexual intimacy outside of just the ovulation fertile window encouraging sex to be fun and pleasurable if they can do this if they can make sex a really fun thing they're actually a solid relational foundation for the child that they are about to conceive, which is super valuable. It's not just about having a baby. The goal is to have parents that really love and care for each other in all sorts of ways. It's a beautiful foundation for a child to be born into. I love to encourage couples to understand sex in that way as just it being super goal-oriented. Moving the idea of sex 
from being about intercourse to being about lots of different kinds of intimacy. Because in the end, bodies get tired. A lot of these procedures are exhausting. Being pregnant itself is exhausting and post-pregnancy. The more options they have, the more choices they have for intimacy, the greater flexibility they have, that is the greatest insurance that anyone can have for a healthy sex life. A whole lot of different flexible options they can pivot to depending on their energy levels and depending on what they're up for in that moment. I also like to uncouple the link between reproductive failure and failed sex. Like so many people come to me and say, if we didn't conceive, it was failed. It was a failed interaction. They use this word all the time. But just because they haven't conceived doesn't mean that experience has failed. Value that sexual interaction for all that it is and almost separate the two. Enjoy the intimacy understand that if they need to, there's also the turkey baster. I know that sounds weird, but they can't manage the intercourse itself and there's erectile difficulties and a lot of pressure and stress. There's also a turkey baster. They can sort of work on the fertility side of things in addition to still remaining intimate and still enjoying each other and making that sexual space a really happy oasis where two people can come together away from the stresses of their life to be supporting one another. So a lot of that is about helping couples start to focus on what they can enjoy in sex rather than what is not happening. So often they're they're already focused on all the things that aren't happening, all the things they aren't feeling, all the things their partners aren't doing, providing shift their perspective to, well, what can you enjoy? What do you enjoy? How can you start to speak some positivity into this space and appreciate yourself and appreciate your partner? Practicing relaxation, helping couples to bring themselves into their body, not get stuck in their head, which can be such a big issue. You're entering into sex, a lot of anxiety, and people get in their heads about it, and they're no longer in their bodies. They're not even feeling. Part of my journey is helping people bring themselves back into the body to start to feel pleasure again, start to enjoy their partners again, starting to feel safe in that sexual space, essentially giving your body the greatest chances of conception because it's relaxed, it's safe, there's no threat, all those things are conducive to conception. And also relational dynamics, helping couples get good at owning their own emotions, communicating how they're feeling, not blaming the other person. So that's not an additional level of stress. One partner might be super responsible for doing all the appointments and they're really pursuing their partner for sex and making sure they do it at the right time. And the other partner is feeling overwhelmed and not sure about how to show up and afraid of failure, never feeling like they're good enough. And so you get this pursuer withdrawal dynamic happening, which is toxic <laughs> to relationships. So I'm often trying to break that down, help couples have a healthier dynamic, integrating compassion and care for one another, starting to unite them as a team, communicate again in a way that is really positive and also in a way that is physically loving and caring. Any final words of advice, Monica, for people experiencing fertility issues and noticing that it is affecting their sex lives? Get away from goal orientation. Normalise these experiences. Talk about them. Don't let it be the elephant in the room and then sex becomes very awkward and uncomfortable. Get some help if you need it. There's lots of people around that can support you in this journey. Monica, thank you for sharing your wisdom today. It sounds like you're doing some really beautiful work. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Anytime. You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? 
they want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in a relationship. A really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world. Thank you for listening and I hope we've inspired you with our juicy conversations on this episode of The Evolution of Intimacy. If you would like to go deeper, you can book a session of relationship counselling, sex therapy or individual counselling via my website. I work in person in Cairns, tropical far north Queensland, or I can meet you online anywhere in the world. Or you might prefer to go at your own pace with my 12-lesson Relationship and Intimacy online course. To book or to listen to previous episodes, visit my website, ellashannon.com or follow me on the socials at Evolution of Intimacy. Finally, please go to iTunes and write me a quick review if you're feeling kind. Thank you, lovelies, and see you next time. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.